Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Let's Chat About It. My name is Jessica, and I'm here to have some informal, casual conversations around mental health, and hopefully educate you along the way. Today's episode is about generalized anxiety disorder. I have two guest hosts with me, Ijlan Roja. Hi. Hi. I met Ijlal in the same group that I volunteered with Leslie in, and I was able to meet Roja through him, which I'm very thankful for. (laughs) She's very sweet, as is Ijlal. So I'm very excited to have them with me today to talk about this topic. I'm flattered. And I'm really excited to be here. Just to start us off, I was wondering if you two could share what is your favorite form of self-care. I can go first. I would say working out for me is my favorite form of self-care. It really de-stresses me and makes me not think about everything that's worrying me. I like just not thinking of anything when I'm working out. When you're working out, you're focusing on yourself and what's in front of you instead of thinking about all the tasks that you build up inside your head. Mm -hmm. I agree. I definitely feel like working out is almost a way to be mindful Mm -hmm. just because you're very much in the moment, focused on what you're doing, hopefully breathing correctly. So I like drawing as a form of self-care. I think that when I'm in that environment, I completely submerge myself. And I don't really think about what's stressing me, what's worrying me. And I do play music while I'm doing that. So that also helps with mindfulness, helps with controlling my breathing, myself. And I can slowly get myself to think about what's worrying bit by bit on my own pace, first all at once. Mm -hmm. So drawing is a way for you to process your emotions. For sure. That's really cool. Another thing I like doing is going on really long drives. Just being in with nature, especially when it's (laughs) raining. It's just so serene for me. I've always loved the rain, the smell of the earth, Mm -hmm. the coldness of it. it brings serenity to me. Yeah. So wait, do you like walk outside in the rain? I do both. I, I maybe I'll like go on, on a walk. I yeah. love it. I'm like yeah. a crazy person that goes out and, like, <laughs> getting my hair wet. But I also like going on drives and hearing the pitter patter of yeah. the windows. I'm loving how you're bringing the scenery alive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is the last one too. I'm like, okay. He always yes. does that. I, I love that though. Are you a very sensory based? I person? totally yeah. am. I I'm so aware of my surroundings. That's and good. I think I'm like hyper aware when it comes to that. Like mm-hmm. I notice the sounds, the smell, the taste, and I, I like that. Okay. It adds to the experience. Yeah. Would you consider yourself a mindful person? Then? Oh, yeah. I started to practice mindfulness, mm-hmm. just taking deep breaths, mm-hmm. really realizing my surroundings and awareness mm-hmm. and being more aware of it. It kind of helps you dissociate from, dissociate like, yeah. from yourself yeah, yeah. Okay. and be in your surroundings more not in your brain as much but yeah. in your body cool i'm trying to be more mindful and aware of my surroundings i get random moments where i can really be mindful whenever i'm in nature yeah. i feel like it's really easy to be mindful because you're just yeah. so appreciative of your surroundings yeah and like you said the smell mm-hmm. and what you can hear all mm-hmm. of that but yeah no at school and stuff i'm definitely not oh yeah mindful I don't know if you guys have tried this, but on YouTube, and there's actually websites where, like, you can recreate sounds of nature, and I would suggest creating an ambient atmosphere with those sounds, mm-hmm. and then try feeling mindful, and it really helps. Like, yeah. Yeah. like I tried that for a little bit, and it did help a lot. Mm-hmm. Actually, I agree with that, like, yeah. creating a space. I know that you used neon lights and yeah. bright colored lights. I, I use that. LED lights all the time yeah. like, oh. in my room, and even when I'm studying, I have LED lights behind my laptop. Yeah. So, like, I turn off all the lights, and I turn on the LED lights, and I have a, a lamp, and I can control the hue and the saturation of the lamp. Because I, I don't like fluorescent lighting. It yeah, makes me it's feel so very gross. It does. It's yeah. disgusting. It does. Especially when you're studying, I get really hot. I don't know why. 
Yeah. I, I get agitated. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know what? I got. This has to go. If I'm gonna stay at home and if I'm gonna study, this has to go. Yeah, no, I, I like mimicking that. If I'm going on a drive, I want to change the scenery. If I'm staying at home and I'm doing my art, I like to again change the scenery. Mm-hmm. Maybe by playing different music, music without a lot of words. Yeah, just a lot of sound, yeah. classical music, even yes. just instrumental is oh, really I nice. I love a good instrumental. Yeah, some you guys remember songs? Oh, you guys might be too young. You're literally two years younger than me. But it was kind of like Spotify. Okay, but you could didn't really look up music it was more that you would just have a playlist for whatever mood you're in and so they would have really good playlists for studying typically when you hear instrumentals it's more classic yeah they would have r&b it was so good for me in studying the the youtube channel like the lo-fi yeah (laughs) lo-fi yeah no i really like what you guys said about creating a space yeah all right i guess we should move on to the actual topic (laughs) thanks for sharing that with me so before we jump into the topic i just wanted to go through the dsm-5 criteria for what is generalized anxiety disorder just because anxiety is a normal human reaction that you can have in different situations it's when it becomes to a level of excess that you can start to classify it as a disorder the first criterion is excessive anxiety and worry occurring more days than not for at least six months and as well you find this worry difficult to control the anxiety and worry have to be associated with three of the following six symptoms and these symptoms have to be present for more days than not for the past six months so restlessness so feeling keyed up or on edge being easily fatigued difficulty concentrating or mind going blank irritability muscle tension and sleep disturbance so difficulty falling or staying asleep or early morning awakening restless unsatisfying sleep so this anxiety worry or physical symptoms cause clinically significant distress or impairment in social occupational and other important areas of functioning and this can't be attributed to a physiological effect of another substance so for example a drug of abuse or a medication or another medical condition and as well it's not better explained by another medical disorder this is really important because some of the symptoms i describe here are also symptoms you might experience of depression so you just have to be able to distinguish between the two for your guys' experiences with generalized anxiety disorder. Although right now it's not as bad as it was in the past, in the last year, I got really bad anxiety and I had to go to therapy for it, which really helped me control and keep the anxiety at bay. And it mostly happened around school. I feel like I was really stressed out about school and it got so bad to the point where I couldn't get out of bed. That was one of the hardest times of, of my school period, I guess. Uh, university at least i had to go to therapy and that really helped me just figure out how to deal with with my issues and why the generalized anxiety appeared from within me out of nowhere and that really helped me put that aside at least for the school year and work on going to school and like not feeling my, my classes well for me i didn't realize that i even had anxiety being a psych student it's kind of hard to accept the fact that you have it knowing all the symptoms and everything i feel like it's harder to believe that you do knowing them and actually acknowledging them Mm -hmm. so when i finally did acknowledge it i learned how to deal with it and accept it into my life i think it made it a lot easier knowing that i had anxiety and how to deal with it versus just oh yeah i'm just stressed out or i'm panicking or these are just panic attacks that that just happen occasionally when i realized i did have anxiety yeah i went and seeked help i found ways to again keep it at bay or 
just not make it worse, agitate it in a way. And I feel like for me, my anxiety was school based. So I'd say that's 80% of my anxiety. But I realized also sometimes at home, and I realized it's also a genetic component. Uh, yeah. Definitely, I've seen it in my mom, my grandma, and I see it in myself as well. Mm-hmm. Never accepted it and mm-hmm. never saw it that way. And when I did, I was like, yes, I have anxiety. I have what they have. So I get freaked yeah. out about things. Sorry not to cut you off, but I like that you brought up the genetic component because it's not until recently that I'm like, oh, I see this. <laughs> oh, this exact thing I do when I'm anxious. I see this in my parents. Yeah. And that it's so weird yeah. to see that. I don't know about your family, but it's definitely not talked about in my Oh, family. yeah. It's just something you're supposed to get over yeah. or something that's short term mm-hmm. when it's really not. No. <laughs> it's prolonged. It's yeah. current. Mm-hmm. And it's embedded in so many different aspects yeah. of your life. Yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. I'll let you continue. Yeah, but once I did realize it's school-based, I did things to at least help in a bay. I'd exercise more. I'd find outlets, change my scenery, just whatever I could. But I think the most important part was realizing that I did have anxiety. Mm-hmm. And how did you realize that you had anxiety? Oh, my friend here, Islam, <laughs> back then at least, <laughs> he was the one who made me realize, yeah, you do have anxiety, pointed it out to me, almost made me see it. Otherwise, I would just deny it myself all the time. I was having a really rough day and we went on a walk and Yeah, you were still denying it even I was denying it. I was denying it. <laughs> you didn't it. accept it until you went home and you were yeah. like, Yeah, I think I might have anxiety. Yeah. Because you were like, No, this can't be me. It always happens to me. I'm not anxious. Actually what you, what he did was he told me I was anxious and then I again denied it. And then he was like, Okay, well then try these things and he told me to deep breathe he gave me his strategies for dealing with anxiety in the moment i did it and it helped mm-hmm. and i was like well okay interesting, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> and then I, yeah i gave him my thought and i realized i do i i do have anxiety i haven't acknowledged it and uh that was a problem for a long time mm-hmm. but it's been so much better knowing now that i do have it and knowing how to deal with it in the correct way yeah I feel like everyone has some level of anxiety it's yeah. when it gets to the point where it's so hard to continue doing normal tasks mm-hmm. when it starts interfering with that then I feel like you need to revert to strategies that keep the anxiety at bay and not absolve you from doing any other task for me I definitely had an anxious predisposition all of my life mm-hmm. um, I don't know why I said it like that <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah and definitely like I mentioned in the last episode I dealt with social anxiety primarily but Around the last couple of years of my undergrad, my anxiety definitely kicked up a notch to the point where it did become more of a generalized Mm -hmm. anxiety disorder. I was having panic attacks Mm -hmm. and I was always, you know, tense. I was getting really bad headaches to the point where I had to stop what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and just lie down. (laughs) Okay, similar to what Roho was saying when you're like a psych student and you know all of the (laughs) symptoms. I was taking neuroscience at that point, so I was like, I have a tumor. This is what it is. <laughs> it's over me. Yeah. So I went to the doctor to tell him about all the headaches I was getting because I was like, oh my god, it's going down. <laughs> it's over for me. And he prescribed these T3s, and that okay. was the only thing that really got rid of my headaches, but I would okay. still get them. So I saw a therapist, and she went through a grounding exercise with me, and my headache went away just like that. Wow. I was like, oh. That's yeah. interesting. 
university was definitely a stressor, but also the life stuff, and yeah. the home situation and stuff like that. And this is another thing that I'm sure you guys can kind of relate to, but I would say I'm a very high-functioning person. And so it's hard to accept that you mm-hmm. have a mental illness yeah. when you're still able to do so many things. Because yeah. that's not the image of, for example, anxiety or depression that yeah. you're used to seeing. And no one wants to be sick. And no one yeah. wants to be mentally weak. Yeah. I know that's yeah. the stigma around it, that you can't sustain a normal life. Yeah, people think, oh, if this person is depressed or anxious, they're not normal. But the funny thing is, everyone has a some, level some of, degree, like, some degree, yeah, some degree of, of depression yeah. or anxiety. It's present in everyone. And so, also, I felt I didn't deserve to have it. And not in the sense that, like, <laughs> I don't deserve this, but in the <laughs> sense that I feel like my life isn't hard enough. Mm. Or I haven't been through enough trauma. Exactly. There are people who've been through some really bad situations. I didn't deserve to call it that. Right. And I saw this quote that really helped. It was someone who's drowning in a bathtub and someone who's drowning in the ocean. They're both still drowning. Mm -hmm. So you can't compare situations. What's important is that you're suffering in that moment. And yeah, similar to you, someone had to point it out to me. And that's when I was like, oh, this is actually really affecting my life. Maybe I should get some help and figure out how to manage it. That's interesting. Now I'm remembering how I figured out I had anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the symptoms were, were there. I specifically have issues with breathing, mm-hmm. but I thought there was something just wrong with me is that I was sick with some sort of illness. Like mm-hmm. I had some sort of stomach flu. Pneumonia. Yeah, or like, because I, I thought I was bloated because I actually <laughs> felt really unhappy with my body. I just felt like I was getting fat or something. Right. I just, I didn't like my own image. I kept going back to the fact that I'm doing this way because I'm eating too much. That's why I can't breathe because there's too much food in my stomach. It mm-hmm. just made no sense. I'm trying to find anything but yeah. like yes. saying it's anxiety. <laughs> yes. yeah. But like I had to ask someone. I, I would tell them my symptoms and, and they told me you might have anxiety so I searched it up and it's actually it was a symptom of anxiety and I still didn't believe it that's when I went to therapy and they showed me how to calm yourself down by breathing and that controlling how you breathe actually and my anxiety it went away and I was like okay A that's anxiety B you can control yourself that really helped me from then on yeah do you remember that you talked to me about it? <laughs> yes I did <laughs> just oh my god I just realized was she the person? yes <laughs> Are we like connected in some way? We are. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. No, because I remember now. Like I was like, I talked to someone. I talked to someone. It was me. I know. Because you you gave me like, you you sent me a screenshot, right? Of like all that. I remember now. God damn. That's crazy. You helped me. I helped Roha. This is crazy. Wow, that's like domino like effect, you know? know? Like how one person can help another and then mm-hmm. how like how Dude, that, that he helped insane. me. I'm shook right now. I'm actually shook. I'm shook too. And we're on her podcast. I, I can 100% relate to yeah. the breathing thing because yeah. I get that too. I think I asked you because yeah. you, you talked to me about your anxiety before. So mm-hmm. I thought maybe you might know what's going on with me. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, yeah, well, you should probably check this out. And then you sent me like a screenshot. And, yeah. then, and I told you to go to counseling. And it was super helpful. So like, and then I didn't even have to pay for it. I'm not kidding. It saved my semester, like, mm-hmm. straight up. My anxiety was telling me, if you go to school, you're going to fail. And I wasn't going to go. I was actually going to just drop out of school. This affects all of us. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. I was thinking about this the other day that there is really no normal. Everyone's brain is a little different. Mm-hmm. And it's just what point does it become a challenge yeah. not only to yourself but to other people. Yeah. I was thinking about personality disorders mm-hmm. and how there are people who have traits that are described in personality disorders, mm-hmm. but it's just not considered personality disorder. It's yeah. who they are. So it's just like at what point do we consider that yeah. a yeah, challenge? You also mentioned panic attacks. I figured we could talk a a little bit about that in this episode as well. Yeah. 
panic attacks can lead to an illness called panic disorder. Panic disorder is a little bit different from the idea of panic attack. A panic attack is an abrupt surge of intense fear or intense discomfort that reaches a peak within minutes, usually about 10, and during which four or more of the following symptoms occur. So heart palpitations, a pounding heart, or accelerated heart rate, sweating, trembling or shaking, sensations of shortness of breath or smothering, feeling of choking, chest pain or discomfort, nausea or abdominal distress, feeling dizzy, unsteady, lightheaded, or faint, chills or heat sensations, numbling or tingling sensations, derealization, which is feelings of unreality, or depersonalization, which is feeling as if you're detached from yourself. There's also the fear of losing control or going crazy or fear of dying. Now, panic disorder is when you're experiencing recurrent, unexpected panic attacks, and at least one of the attacks has been followed by one month or more of one or both of the following. Persistent concern or worry about additional panic attacks or their consequences, and a significant maladaptive change in behavior related to the attacks. For example, avoiding exercise in unfamiliar situations or other behavior designed to avoid having panic attacks. And and as well as you heard with anxiety, this disturbance can't be attributed to another physiological effect of a substance or another medical condition, or it can't be better explained by another mental disorder. For me, it was always, always, always around people. I would notice my mind drifting, and then I would just think of, I don't know if you guys have seen that meme of that one lady doing math on her head. Yeah. Okay, think of that, but think of it like a hundred times more math. And <laughs> oh the math, God. you're thinking of different scenarios of your life yeah. being played out, of the future being played out. Mm-hmm. And it was just so much to handle for me, and it would just make me go red, and I would just have a panic attack. Yeah. I could breathe. I just had to leave the room, yeah. go to the washroom, like wash my face, drink some water. And for the longest time, I just preferred not to be around people at all because of that. Mm-hmm. And then over time, it kind of slowly dwindled down, but then I also started getting panic attacks at home, and that's when I couldn't get out of my bed. I would just stay in bed, and I would just watch TV all day. Mm-hmm. I Like, TV is my self-care, but it got to the point where I was binge-watching. I had no more shows to binge-watch. <laughs> oh, no. Like, it got really bad because I would just stay in bed and I would just watch TV all day. And it was two weeks before school started, so I was not ready. I was in very bad. I felt like I was wasting my time because of all the the panic attacks. And I would just sit in bed all day or just, like, sleep in bed. Just have food and go back to bed. It was a weird couple weeks for me. I didn't know I was having panic attacks when I did have them. I would just call them my little mental breakdowns. Mm-hmm. It happens. It's fine. I didn't think they were panic attacks because I would always cry during them. Mm-hmm. And to me, when I think of panic attack, I think of like rocking back and forth, not being able to breathe. Whereas for me, my panic attacks... They always kind of start off the same, but I'm never able to recognize it's a panic attack until I'm in the middle of it or like near the end where my thoughts kind of start building noise. The noise increases in my brain and my heart starts racing. And what else happens? My heart starts racing. I always think that I'm going to die. (laughs) I'm always like, oh my God, is this a heart attack? Is this how it happens? Like, is this, is this the end for me? Or I think that I'm going crazy, that I'm losing it. I'm like, oh, it's a psychotic episode. I know what this is. It's a psychotic episode. And then I'll just start crying uncontrollably. And then I'll be like, oh. 
that it's that again (laughs) for me they mostly happen at night Mm -hmm. i feel like it's because by then i'm going into this peaceful sleep where i'm supposed to just fall asleep not really have anything in my mind but that's the perfect opportunity for it to creep up on me Mm -hmm. and it does so definitely that's when it's worse for me i same thing like the thoughts keep climbing Mm -hmm. getting almost higher to like this climax point yeah and then when they get to that shortness of breath just heart racing faster it's like you ran but you didn't really run just laying there in tears yeah. and you're just crumbling almost yeah and it's so hard to break out of that for me at least with Idril I have someone who always listens to me or I call him mm-hmm. and he has to calm me down like it'll be okay and I really have to believe that in order to get out of it mm-hmm. it's a step-by-step process I oh think, yeah but I think that if you have someone or, you know, it could be family, friends, brother, sister, cousin, boyfriend, anyone really who somewhat understands what you're going through, it can just be life changing, mm-hmm. like, at least in that moment for you, for whoever is going through that. Yeah. I forgot to say, I also experienced this weird body experience oh. almost where I feel like I'm watching myself having the yes, panic attack. Yes. And yeah. it's so weird to describe because that's logical part of me that's like, okay, you're having a panic attack, you need to start breathing yeah. to calm down. And then there's my emotional self that's just yeah freaking out yes and I'm actually the opposite of you where I don't want people to be near yeah. me. Yeah. I don't want anyone to see me mm-hmm. in this state. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe it's because I also have this subset of social anxieties. So I don't want to be right. judged. But also I've had experiences where people just make it worse rather oh, than yeah. like sure. help. I remember sometimes having a panic attack and then someone asked me like, what's stressing you out? And I started thinking about all the things oh, that's stressing me out. <laughs> it just made it so much worse than it needed to be. And I find that I tend to have my panic attacks on public transportation just because coming home from yes. school, kind of like what you're saying, that end of the day sort yes, of feeling. That feeling yeah. So it start reflecting on your day and your future and then it just spirals. So it's either bus, train, or my room. Those are the most common places. It's like literally the other day, I think yeah. it was Thursday or Friday last week, mm-hmm. and I was coming home from school and I was on a train and it was super packed, three o'clock, like everyone's there. It's mm-hmm. full. There's no room to breathe. I felt like I was suffocating. Mm-hmm. And then I had all these thoughts running through my head because I was going through some stress at home. I had to make everything work with everything going around me. Mm-hmm. And going from train to the mall, something within me just got triggered and I just felt disgusted by every single person around me. I was mm-hmm. just like, I can't be around anyone at this point because people were just in my face and they were, yeah. I felt like I was being threatened by people. Yeah. And they weren't doing anything. Mm-hmm. But it's just that feeling in that moment. I just felt like I needed to be alone to just process my feelings because it was just so much for my brain to handle at mm-hmm. once. And then I told the music on. Actually, even initially, the music didn't help. It was only distracting me. And the thought of it distracting me entered my head. And that yeah. made it even worse. Yeah. So I had to go to the washroom, get some water, just go on a walk, try to not think about anything, just mm-hmm. deep breathe for a while. And that's what calmed me down. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I can systematically think about this and process it now. Mm-hmm. I find deep breathing is also what helps me yeah. to calm down. Yeah. So I try to do that. Or there's a sneak technique that I recently learned it's called the 54321 trick. Okay. Have you guys heard of it? No. So basically, it helps you to be more mindful and bring you back mm-hmm. to the moment. Mm-hmm. So, five, you look for five things that you can see. So, you're like, okay, 
a chair, a TV, a puzzle, a bed. You just list five things that are in your surroundings. And then you list four things that you can hear. A bird chirping, music, I don't know. Four things you can hear. And then three things you can feel. Oh, I can feel the fabric of my hoodie. I can feel the rubber from my shoes. And then two things that you can smell and one thing that you can taste. And so just focusing on your different senses mm-hmm. can help you come back down. Almost bringing you back to reality. Exactly. I had this really weird moment one day where I got anxious about being anxious. I was like, oh, oh I think I'm having a panic attack. And then I was stressing out yeah. over the... I wasn't having a panic attack, but then I caused myself to have yeah. a panic yeah. attack. And I was just reading this article because I was trying to calm myself down and mm-hmm. I couldn't. It was like, you just need to accept it. Mm-hmm. It's when you fight it that you actually mm-hmm. make it worse. Yeah. So you just need to accept, you know, this is what I'm feeling and it's valid that I'm feeling this way. It might not make sense. Mm-hmm. It might be due to an irrational reason, mm-hmm. but you are feeling it. And so just thinking of that also helps yeah. calm me down. Almost fighting kind of like just makes it worse. Yeah. yeah. So my next question for you too, what, I mean, we kind of mentioned this as we were chatting, but more concretely, what do you do to manage your anxiety? I feel like for myself, there's a lot of different ways that I'm focusing on keeping my anxiety. Abe, in the past, it used to be depression, but Thankfully, it's not as much of an issue for me anymore as it used to be. But the techniques that I use to deal with my depression, I can actually use them for my anxiety mm-hmm. as well. Like working out and taking pictures or doing video work, anything with a camera. Both of those things helped me a lot when I was depressed. And I kind of use them with my anxiety too. So when I notice them getting anxious, I do one of those two things. And then another thing that I do, I have a box full of memories. Um, but I go through that box because it reminds me of the time when I was traveling because I collect stuff. Mm-hmm. I have like a like a, like a board exactly. Yeah. Oh, I don't have a board. I just have a box. I have a box like, too. You know, yeah, I have a board and the stuff that I can't put on the board, I put it in the box. When I'm feeling a little anxious and I I know that it's time for me, you know, just take a break. Yeah, I'll go through all the pictures on the board. I'll collect coins or, or rocks because like when I traveled across Canada, I collected rock from uh, the beach in Vancouver and the beach in, uh, in Halifax. Oh, I love so that. So I could say like, yes, I've been to the Atlantic the and the yeah, like both sides. <laughs> so I, that's an example of things that I would go over and just remind myself of a time where I was as stressed out and as anxious as yeah. I am right now because that makes me feel like it's okay to be hopeful for yeah. now I guess like it's not it's not going to be all gloomy all the time mm-hmm. and that's what I think really helps push through in addition to that I feel like anything that just takes my mind off the main stressor mm-hmm. helps a lot and what I'm trying to also emphasize is that it's important to take your mind off of it but not entirely because if you go back feeling of anxiety is just going to come back yeah so what I've been trying to do recently is phase that stressor in slowly and then try to do with it very methodologically I guess so, so just take it step by step mm-hmm. that's what I've been doing in the past like six months or so and I think I've been working that's good there's some points you brought up that I just wanted to briefly touch on. I thought it was really interesting that you said the techniques that you use to help with depression you also use to help with anxiety because anxiety and depression are very linked. They are very comorbid, so they tend to happen at the same time. People who have anxiety tend to have depression as a symptom or people with depression tend to have anxiety as a symptom. So anxiety and depression, I remember one of my professors said they're often seen as different sides of the same coin. When I feel depressed, I don't feel anxious and when I feel anxious I don't feel depressed I mean it's probably there I just don't see it I yeah, know what you mean interesting I just like pick one and I'm like okay deal with that one oh that's nice <laughs> no. I guess it's, it's for me it's there, both but it's like yeah. not as heavy as the other 
Oh, like I it's guess, like a yeah. scale, yeah. maybe like one tips and one. Mm-hmm. For you, it's both. Yeah. That was your part, like. You yeah. Know. If I'm anxious about something, it mm-hmm. tends to be about the future or interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. they hate me. Yeah. So having all of those thoughts will put me in a negative place, uh-huh. and I'll be very uh-huh. sad and depressed uh-huh. and down. It's always together. Or if I'm feeling depressed, I'm like, oh, how long is this gonna last? Like, blah 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 blah. And so like mm-hmm. the anxiety gets kicking. So for me, they're always they're always they're hand always in hand. <laughs> they're best friends. Since you mentioned that, something clicked in my head. Like I said, I was depressed for a long time in the mm-hmm. past. And this is where I realized I had anxiety. But there was this weird layover period between both of them. Where, mm-hmm. I, like I talked about how I would feel around people. And I would think about my future. But I would also think about what they were thinking of me. Mm-hmm. And I would just be super sad. And I would just think how much people don't like me. Or mm-hmm. how I'm saying things that either don't register with people. Or if I say them, I'm going to sound stupid. And mm-hmm. these little thoughts. Like I never realized how toxic they can be. But yeah. they can literally oh yeah your mind can be your biggest enemy if you let it it can be those thoughts are never gonna go away but you learn once you realize that there is a way to deal with it as long as you're proactive about it and not reactive yeah just to jump on that and i feel like there was one more thing i was gonna say but (laughs) it's gone just to it's okay no this is fun when it comes to anxiety A lot of people try to get rid of it. And if you try to get rid of it, you're honestly just setting yourself up for mm-hmm. a bad time. Mm-hmm. When it comes to anxiety, you kind of have to learn how to manage it and live with it. Yeah. And I like what you said about you're going to have those thoughts. Yeah. But it's important to acknowledge that just because you're having your, those thoughts doesn't necessarily mean that they're true. Exactly. And be proactive, not reactive. Yeah. I really like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like obsessing over the fact that you may be anxious will make you more anxious. Oh, 100%. Like, 100 times oh, more. Oh, yeah. Because then you start thinking of all the things you have to see. Exactly, yeah. And then you start obsessing over it. Mm-hmm. And then... Bra, take it away. Okay. Well, <laughs> some coping mechanisms I like to use. One of the first things I do is I will talk to someone, which I never did before, but I think when I realized I did have anxiety and needed to talk to someone other than my therapist, mm-hmm. I'd talk to my mom if she was there. If she oh, can, that's nice. Yeah. Or I can just sit down and tell her, like, mm-hmm. during exam, like, if I have an exam and I'm really stressed out about it, mm-hmm. what really helps is she really brings reality into it. Mm-hmm. She's like, it's just an exam. Mm-hmm. And it really just is. Yeah. It's nothing more than that. Make it so much more in our heads. Mm-hmm. So that usually helps. Or I'll call Ishal and he will calm me down. There are levels in which he has to calm me down. Like every five minutes, I, I might go down a level yeah. or so the more I talk to him. <laughs> it's funny. But that helped immensely, I think. Mm-hmm. When you talk it out and you realize you're almost taking those thoughts out of your head. Yeah. You're extracting those thoughts. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, they're, they are just thoughts. More than that. And then, yeah, just besides that, just going out on drives and everything to, again, be proactive, not yeah. reactive to it. But another thing I do, I guess, is uh, like my last resort is religion. I believe oh, yeah. faith. I pray. Yeah. And that's probably the strongest thing yeah. for me. So I believe in my faith and I feel yeah. like that is, that's never going to let me down. Yeah. Giving all that power to like a higher company mm-hmm. and that really helps knowing that okay it's not in my hands anymore yeah. Jesus did <laughs> exactly <laughs> pretty much and that, that helps that helps a lot that maybe you've done everything you can and there's more to it okay wow I have so much to respond to <laughs> but I didn't want you to like lose your train of thought or anything for one I mentioned this in the I think the very first episode with spiritual self care mm-hmm. if you are a spirit I know I think everyone should be a spiritual person like don't have to be religious but I think but you, you should definitely spirit- like foster that spiritual side of yourself so yeah turning to religion is also like a really good and really valid coping Mm -hmm. mechanism i also in moments where i'm 
feeling anxious, I'll pray yeah. or I'll read a Bible verse yeah. to help. I think prayer, prayer especially yeah, really because helps. prayer is not only just you know a form of faith and religion or spirituality. It's meditation. Yeah, right? exactly. Like the way that you sit, you're secluding yourself. Mm-hmm. The mindset you put yourself in, you're already starting to calm yourself. Yeah, down, exactly. You know? Just the mechanisms of it is calming you down, mm-hmm. re- reducing that anxiety for yeah. me at least. It's also mindfulness. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's mm-hmm. also like a way that you can practice mindfulness. In, in our religion, when you pray, you can't think about anything else mm-hmm. than like what you're currently just praying. In our religion, you're supposed to be a conversation with God. Yeah. So it's like you're talking to God, you're not thinking about anything else. Mm-hmm. And I think that really helps in terms of like, praying. Mm-hmm. And even if you're talking to God, you're asking for God, you know, help me with this and what's stress. Mm-hmm. That's letting it out, realizing mm-hmm. that this is my problem, this is my issue, this is what's causing the anxiety, mm-hmm. and letting it go almost, putting it in again the higher power yeah. and not yourself. Mm-hmm. That helps a lot. And okay, so I don't know too much about your religion, so I'm just gonna ask the question. Yeah. I'm sorry for if it sounds ignorant, but mm-hmm. do you pray five times a day? I don't. <laughs> I wish I did. But that's like a that's a thing, right? Okay, I was like, am I making that up? Yeah, it's supposed to be like we pray five times a day, yeah. different times. Mm-hmm. Your mom's not watching this. Oh, my mom's not listening. Yeah, I totally pray five times. <laughs> It sucks to yeah. say this, but it's almost my last resort yeah. sometimes. And I know if you're not supposed to do that, you're supposed to pray all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think that's not a bad thing. I still believe in the higher power yeah. and believe that he can still be there for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I turn to him mm-hmm. and stuff. So I think that's still, it's still worth yeah. something. Over the past few years, I feel like I've been trying to figure out where I stand. Mm-hmm. Unrelated. Yeah. Yep. So I go back and forth on this all the time. But I think sometimes I think that it's what you make of it. Kind of like a personal yeah. connection and then what works for you works for you. But then mm-hmm. I feel hesitant about saying that because some people use the religion to be really judgmental yeah. or hateful. Yeah. So does that make me any better than that person? Yeah. I go back and forth. See, that but. also causes me anxiety. I absolutely get that. Mm-hmm. The judgmental side of people. Yeah. If you're not religious, if you're not this person that you're mm-hmm. supposed to be, you know, the other people will see you in that way and that causes yeah. me anxiety mm-hmm. seeing being seen in a way that I don't have to be. Yeah. That I'm different mm-hmm. or, you know, that like, Are you a good X, exactly, y, Z. exactly. Yeah. yeah, no. I think self reassurance is so important when it comes to anxiety. Oh like, yeah. Whether it's through religion or any yes. other process, like as long as you have the ability to reassure yourself, I feel like it keeps your anxiety at bay. It's super important to learn how to do that. And it also helps if you're assured by a friend, a good friend who's there for you. I just I'd be cautious about that. One of the symptoms of anxiety is excessive reassurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just have to know when you're like, no, yeah. too yeah. far. I can tell when I'm anxious because I'll like text fifteen people <laughs> asking for their opinion yeah. on the same thing. Yeah, I always, oh, I'm so bad at that. My supervisor literally pointed it out. I was like, you're not wrong. And he's like, you always ask for things that you already know are right. Like, you always oh, ask for right, it's right, right, even though you already know. And I was like, <laughs> but no, it's good to have a solid support system, yeah. but it's also good to be a solid support system to for yourself. yourself. So validating yourself and reassuring no, yourself. Yeah, right. But no, I think, I think being spiritual is really important, mm-hmm. however that looks for you. Oh, there's like three other things I was going to say about what you said. Let's see if I'll remember. Oh my gosh. Wow. Do you remember what you said? Talking to your mom. Oh, talking to my mom, um, yeah. Building to them bigger than you. Extracting. 
um, oh yeah, extracting yeah, yeah. thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I really like the point you made about extracting your thoughts because I don't know about you guys, but I'm definitely an overthinker and mm-hmm. a ruminator. So the good thing about getting those thoughts out, whether it be to a person or on paper, mm-hmm. is that you can't really go in that circular argument because mm. in your head it's very easy to think about the same thing yeah. 20 times you can't say the same thing 20 times to a person so first agreed it doesn't feel natural but even no. if you did they would have to slap you or something yeah exactly. like, you know? like, hey you gotta stop it yeah. right yeah so that's yeah no definitely important to get those thoughts mm-hmm. out uh, i don't remember what else i was going to say but yeah idra and raw are making some really good <laughs> Points. Very true, very knowledgeable. For myself, to cope with anxiety, I have been working a lot on self-care and self-compassion and being kind to myself. I'm very critical and hard on myself, so just trying to be gentle and nice and treat myself like a friend helps with that, being mindful, or trying to go through different grounding exercises to kind of bring myself back into the moment, focus on my surroundings and like what I'm dealing with. When I have an issue, I would not only think about that issue, but think about all the other issues in my life and all the issues I've shared. So instead of doing that, I'm just like, hey, let's focus on the problem at hand and then everything else will get there when we get there so that definitely helps if there's something that I'm stressed about I like to because usually I just feel like overwhelmed when I feel like I have a lot of things to do Mm. so I like writing them down I like writing to-do lists or planning how I'm going to tackle something so yeah making lists scheduling planning different things like that really really help yeah no lately I've just definitely been doing a lot of personal development and just trying to be kind to myself and trying to be patient something I really struggled with over the past couple of years is that I'm in the mental health field so Mm -hmm. I know all the things that I should be doing Mm -hmm. but yet here I am (laughs) still anxious still depressed it was very frustrating to have to deal with that because like I know the I know the literature, I know the techniques, I know all of it. And the counselor I was seeing helped me realize that I just needed to be more patient. Mm -hmm. She said that I keep looking for quick fixes and it's not something that can be fixed quickly. Like sometimes really what you just need to do is give something time. So I've been trying to do that, trying to just do things. Oh yeah, that's the thing you said that I was going to talk about. Israel said he breaks things down. You kind of phase in the the stressor. Rather than tackling the Mm. whole thing, just try to do it in bite-sized chunks. Yeah, Yeah, and that's been really beneficial as well. My last question for you two is how does anxiety affect your relationship and how do you guys help each other? In our relationship so far, it's never been the case where both of us have been anxious. That's good. Like, yeah. I know. <laughs> That's true. That happens. Honestly, like, because I'm just thinking what happens if you are anxious and I am anxious. Like, it'd be super hard to communicate with me. Because we're each other's support. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. I need you. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Like, how do we, like, you know, help each yeah. other? And that would be a like, really hard situation to be in, but we're going to have to figure out how we're going to do we that. Will, yeah. like, thankfully, so one person is anxious and the person isn't. So. I almost wonder if because the other person's anxious, you're like, oh i need to help them yeah because i know for me my friends will say things that i deal with but to them i can give really good advice and be there for them but then i literally do the exact same thing they do so maybe it's just having that aspect like oh this is someone i care about i think i think you're right i think a big part of that is because of the fact that you care about me and i care about you so we try to just work around exactly exactly it's like once you're okay then i can bring up my issues with you and then i can talk to you about how how i'm feeling I feel like it's almost automatic. We compensate. When you're a 20%, yeah. I'm an 80%. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Oh, I love healthy relationships. <laughs> okay. But I think like we hit that from the beginning. Literally, the first thing that we said is we want to give 110% to this relationship. Mm-hmm. So if one of us is feeling 20, yeah, the other will be like, yeah. 80. I feel like it's because our communication has always been the main focus for in the past year or so. Mm-hmm. We've always focused on improving our communication. Yes. Even if it's still not the best, but it's so, so good. And drastically better. I know. And we, we always want to keep improving at it. And mm-hmm. I think that's what really helps us with you know, dealing with anxiety when it comes to either one of us. Yeah. Because yeah. we've worked on it for so long now that mm-hmm. we know how to communicate more efficiently and more effectively. Mm-hmm. And that helps us talk to each other. I, I genuinely think when it comes to dealing with other people versus, you know, you, there are the same. Like the way that I talk to them, that yeah. I give the same advice, yeah. I would give the same steps. Yeah. But with you, I almost feel like I absorb your emotions. Yeah. And if I see him being sad, I need to take it away. That's like a need for me. I can't <laughs> see him sad. It hurts yeah. me. And I just feel like I just need to do whatever I can to take it away from him. And I think that's why we work so well sometimes where we're very compassionate very. and very considerate. And about patience. Patience, and patience. patience yeah. is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there was times where <laughs> I was depressed, anxious for a whole month. But if your partner pushes you to be okay... They're always pushing you to, you need to get better, it'll be fine, or upset you, that's not going to work, ever. You know, Mm -hmm. they just need to let you have your space if you need it. Be there when you need it. Just mm-hmm. be in your back and bag, in your back and call. Yeah. I feel like everyone has to deal with it at their own terms and at their yeah. own pace. Yeah, hundred so percent. By rushing anyone, just because you're not getting what you want out of your relationship is not fair to the other person. Yeah. Because that's not what what loving someone else is. Yeah. You need to like truly care about them enough to know that you need to know that if they're going through something, you need to slip your needs aside for a little bit. And once they're feeling better, then you can tell them how to feel, I guess. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks for answering my question, guys. Yeah, no worries. I love it. We stand. Okay. I stand too. <laughs> I stand all of my friends' healthy relationships. It's so oh. bad, but it's so good. I love, oh, I just, I'm so happy and they're like happy and like being treated. I thought it's so cute. So I love it. I love, I love seeing, I don't know. It's really nice it's having so, people support you know, it. You know, it's not that common though. It's not. People are not like that. Just, no, they're not. not. People are not You're, like, she's very genuine. You know, she's, she's genuine. genuine. Yeah. You can see when people are being fake. For someone else, yeah. and it's, it sucks that there's not that many that I've seen. Yeah, it's like you know when people will be like, "Oh, you guys are so cute," and it's the only thing they can say. I know, you know? but there's no substance to it. Yeah, but even though they you see know, it. First time, Jessica's like talking to me about you, and she's like, "I love how you guys have a healthy relationship." I was literally, that was the nicest thing ever. Oh. We haven't had people tell us that, no, you know. No. Like we had so many obstacles at the beginning of our relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, people literally didn't think we were right. We for had like yeah. we had a period of like what five six months where we couldn't oh tell God. anyone. We didn't tell anyone. We we were scared of telling yeah. people because we didn't think that it was something yeah. people would approve. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, I think yeah. now we're at a place we're, where yeah. people are genuine for well, us. Well, they can actually see us. They can see like, us. So far, we've proved all of them wrong. We have. Yes. 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 Stay, I love that. We, <laughs> they, we literally had the odds against us. You know, yeah, we did for the longest time yeah. ever. Yes. All right. Any parting words? Wanted to say that I love you and I love this podcast. Yes. Thank you so much for having us on this. This was an amazing experience. Thanks for coming, guys. This is the second time they came. (laughs) (laughs) This is the first time they didn't go so smoothly, but they came again, and I'm really appreciative of that. Thank you so much for being vulnerable on this podcast, sharing your experiences and your wisdom. And I'm very grateful to have you two. Well, that's it from me. If you want to keep the conversation going, please email me at lcai 
podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach me on Twitter or Instagram again at LCAI podcast. I'm happy to answer questions, comments, concerns. Just let me know. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you in a couple of weeks.